1: It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast
0: and welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, Thanks to all of you that are watching live at youtube.com slash Cover 3, 3pm every single Monday. It is our Upon Further Review show because we come at you right around midnight on Saturday night. Lots of instant reactions, our our thoughts from what we just watched, but there's more football that goes on after we conclude and we need some time to be able to process uh, the other football catch up on games be sure to scan everything Uh, this gives us a chance to put a bow on the weekend that was and turn our attention moving forward so we will be getting to that as well as some of our college football playoff ranking predictions and expectations we've got our mac locks for those of you who want to get in that sweet sweet Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night action from the Mid-American Conference. But we begin with uh, some news and headlines, particularly some breaking news from Sunday as uh, the University of Washington has decided to part ways with Jimmy Lake. Not only is it not two full seasons for Jimmy Lake as the head coach, it's only 13 games. He finishes with a 7-6 and six record as the Huskies head coach. They went 3-1 and one in the COVID-shortened and often canceled and postponed season of 2020 that was the Pac-12. This year, things definitely did not meet expectations. The way that Washington has framed this dismissal and this firing doesn't really hang the hat on any of those uh, incidents that have come up, whether it be the one on the sideline against Oregon, whether it be the one that was reported uh, from 2019. No, this just seems to be a whole myriad of factors. They're going to pay the full buyout, or at least that's the way the, the news is being reported right now. And now we've got one of the better jobs in Pac-12, in my opinion, that is open and joins a very busy coaching carousel. Uh, uh, I believe Coca had us at 11.00 firings at the FBS level and we're sitting here on November 15th with you know others that we had on our watch list for Sunday so as we begin with a little time in the coaching carousel and a look at Washington uh, what was the reaction to the Huskies deciding to move on from Jimmy Lake
2: I don't think any of us were surprised. I feel like that it's been a very poorly kept secret now for since the announced, you know, since what happened on the sideline and since they announced the suspension. I think the biggest surprise to me was, like you said, the fact that when they made the announcement, they made sure to point out that it's not with cause, they're just firing him because they don't want him to be the coach anymore, and they're going to have to pay him the full buyout, which tells you the extent of the, quote unquote, controversy about what happened on the sideline and all that stuff. So I don't know. i it's quick. But at the same time, I don't think there was a whole lot of evidence to suggest that this was going to work. Like it seemed like it made all the sense in the world at the time. Chris Peterson kind of steps down, quote unquote, retires unexpectedly. He picks his replacement. Somebody who's been there, somebody they think can revitalize the program and revitalize recruiting. And then COVID happens and everything just goes terribly wrong for them. But I feel like, they're stuck in the position where they could cross their fingers and hope it works, or they could just realize it's not working and let's just start over as quickly as possible. It's obvious what choice they made.
3: I think that's fair. Um, Something we said two weeks ago, you know, is like, do you really want to start over with Jimmy Lake based on all the things that have happened behind the scenes? Like Thomas said, but I, I think that's really what it comes down to. Washington sees itself as one of the premier programs in the PAC 12. Should it, I guess debatable in some ways, uh, but one thing here to think about is USC is probably not going to be down forever, right? Like they don't have Lynn Swan as an AD anymore. They have a real AD. They're probably going to make a real coaching hire this time, you know, and if USC is right, that hurts everybody else's ability to win the Pac-12. Now, it's probably better for the whole league if USC wins it because Oregon is a great two for any league it's not the SEC, right? Washington is a great 3 or 4. You know, depending on what you think of like Arizona State, UCLA and and Utah. Um I don't really put Stanford in there, but that's another conversation. If you wait on USC another year, do you fall one more year behind? Like if you know, you know and pull the plug, just just go and rip the band-aid. I think that's what they did. Yeah, I, to me it does
4: feel more it's about this issue I mean if it's not he got hosed because how are you supposed to win after a four-game season I think it is about this issue and I know we talked about it and said hey you know all of us looked at it we've all been in teams where that type of incident has happened but you know what I have not seen and that you know I read the I'm sure you guys saw the Seattle Times article with the you know eyewitness account which Jimmy Lake has denied where at halftime he comes in and he the offense is struggling he picks up the offensive player shoves him in the locker room and you know, I could imagine it was one of those pretty intense situations. But in all this, you know what I haven't seen? I haven't seen many players come to Jimmy Lake's defense. That was and my point. Yeah, silence is pretty deafening. Um, so that's where I'm like, okay, maybe there is a problem. And remember, the athletic director met with the player that was involved in the sideline incident in Oregon, talked to him, and I don't know if there were a couple other players, maybe a leadership council, something. I hope so that she met with as well. So that lack of support from the players is probably where we are today with Jimmy Lake no longer looking for work. Even after he's suspended for a game, there was nothing from the players. I haven't seen it. I've tried to look. I've Googled it. You just don't hear anything. I think that's what it's about. Now I think it is interesting because I do think Washington is one of these jobs that even with USC being good, like could be on the same level as Oregon – uh, or I, I was gonna ask you guys what you thought was a better job Arizona State or Washington Bud kind of opened it up and was like whether you view one or the other I would feel like Arizona State would be the, I think Arizona State is a sleeping giant. like I just don't know why they can't get maybe it's too much fun you know I don't, maybe it's too like it and it is a great scene there mm-hmm. um, but you've got great weather you're close enough to California and Texas like you could recruit there and yet Seattle's a great place to go to school too like I think both of these are kind of that just below Oregon and USC right now, in the same place as UCLA and Arizona State and Washington, I think they're like that next tier of what could be really good. And I think they should be able to draw a big-name big, big name coach. And I think it'll be interesting to see like what direction they go and how big of a name they can get. With 11 jobs open, some are going to start filling sooner rather than later, and then it's going to be, what do you do
0: now?
3: So, so Go ahead, Chip.
0: Well, I was just going to say, <clears throat> there was a comment from the athletic director there wasn't one factor that led me to this decision. And this was over a Zoom call. So I want to understand that it might've been slightly transcribed a little bit off. There wasn't one factor that led me to this decision, wins and losses, no fan support parentheses. Those are some of the many factors. And I was, I was like, no fan support. So this isn't just like the players. You don't even need an incident. If I'm the athletic director at a power five program and the players are not supporting the coach and the fans are not supporting the coach. i I, I think that I can make that move and have it totally justified to just say, well, no one supports the person who's supposed to be the leader of this program. Then we need to get somebody else to come lead this program. If, if no one on the team, if no one on the sidelines, boosters, fans, athletic club, like whatever, if people are not caping up for Jimmy Lake, then there's no reason to try to sell Jimmy Lake uh, for future investments from your fans, from your players, and
3: from your boosters. 36th in recruiting last year. 51st so far this year. Jimmy Lake's message was they, they were going to improve the recruiting, right? And then he comes in there with, with the stuff about how we're an academic school and, and we recruit against blah, 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 whoever he said, Stanford and a couple of schools like that. That's not what they're looking for. Um, I do want to tease something. Uh, I do the the Bud College Football Lunchtime Hangout uh, on, on this channel uh, every Tuesday around lunchtime Eastern. I'm actually going to have Cooper Patagna on tomorrow. Cooper is our director of scouting. At 24 seven sports and he has worked for both washington and oregon in the last five years uh so i think it'll be a cool conversation to talk about like what can the washington job possibly be so just wanted to get that tease out there
0: i think that washington also shout out to jimmy lake the washington over arizona state for my rating does have to do with academics i I think washington's a little like if if you are trying to sell your entire university experience Well maybe hold on, sorry. That's where we're gonna go to OKGs. All right. There's an OKG for Washington and there's an OKG for Arizona State. And it just depends depends on your K and your G, you it know? Depends
2: on who has
4: the funnel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, were you serious
4: about Jimmy Lake to Florida? I yeah. I mean, if I'm Dan Mullen
2: and I I get to stick around, and that's the biggest, you know, if, if I'm Dan Mullen and I need to overhaul my staff and I need to turn things around quickly. Long before Jimmy Lake became the head coach at Washington, I have loved his defenses at Washington. I think that he'd be a huge upgrade over Todd Grantham. I think that if you look at what he's done at Washington with the talent level of players compared to what they have at Florida, the way he's been able to coach and develop guys there on the defensive side of the ball and send them to the NFL repeatedly, if you put him in a spot like Gainesville, where he's also getting more talent to work with, I think the Gators can have a defense that, you know, they're going to need to compete with Georgia and Alabama and those schools to win in the SEC.
0: Mm. So... There is, there, do you have confidence that – you mentioned it as a suggestion. Do you have confidence that yeah. Lake lands somewhere? He's going to be a D.C. to power oh, five Oh, He's, he's
2: going to be a defensive coordinator somewhere next year. He's. I mean, well, it also depends because he is getting the buyout, and it offsets, and there could be language. Maybe he's better off taking a year off or something. I don't know, but I would just think in a vacuum, depending on the situation, he's going to be a very coveted defensive coordinator. I,
4: Maybe he'll work. just watch
3: Paramount+. Plus.
4: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but that's where I, I don't know – I almost wonder if the controversy around him makes that market cool off a little bit. and the one thing I keep hearing about Dan Mullen with you know a, a coach on sort of a hot seat, how great of a hire is he going to be able to make it might be the perfect match with mm-hmm. a coach needs an opportunity Mullen on the hot seat like it kind of feels like it could fit now, no I don't know if there's no relationship there like is it just one that fits? I don't know, but I just I thought it was a very interesting take and I would tend to agree with you it might be something that could work.
0: So what's the next Power Five job open? You mentioned Dan Mullen right there. I mean, I was, you know, I was doing my little Twitter searches yesterday just to make sure I wasn't straying too far from the house in case we had to hit those sirens. You know, I, I walked down to the block, but I, I didn't go too far.
2: The next Power Five gig. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be another. I mean, Virginia Tech, I think, is the most likely one. So you don't but we you think, think we know that, when that's going to happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so which won't the be the will next. there be one
2: exactly? So
0: Miami or Florida are both kind of the discussion points. I think that both of them could easily be back for 2022 for different reasons. I think that depending on how things go in the next couple of weeks, both of them could get end up getting replaced.
3: Cutcliffe, it's not a firing, but I, I think right. that'll happen before Vatek because there's no reason to hold on to him late, right? And I mean that team defensively. They just gave up what a 50 burger to uh, yeah. to the, the Hokies. I mean, mm-hmm. just like they're they're not they're they're going back very quickly to being like what Duke used to be when Chip and I were and, and Danny like Danny. They look like the Duke teams you guys put up 100 on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's done there. They're not coming back from that. So I would imagine that will happen before Fuente if Fuente does happen.
2: Yeah, and if Nebraska's serious about frost, I don't see any openings coming in the Big Ten. I don't really see any other possible openings in the SEC at this point besides Florida, unless somebody loses and takes another job. I mean, this is right. just talking about fire. Like I think it was Feldman who floated the idea of Chip Kelly taking the Washington job.
0: He which- also had uh Dave Aranda as a potential candidate for USC and Washington, mm-hmm. which I mean Makes a lot of sense. Dave Aranda get paid. Cause, don't you think that Baylor will go into a bidding war with mm-hmm. someone who comes to try to take Aranda?
2: Baylor's yes. got money. Baylor's yeah, they, got they, money. They got a bunch. Yeah. Dave Aranda is going to get a huge raise here in the next month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just don't know who's going to be giving it to him.
0: Congrats, Dave, Dave Aranda, out here winning the uh, the coaching carousel. I don't I don't see him moving from Baylor. I see him getting a raise. That is not a report. That is a prediction. I I mean.
2: I feel bad for Baylor because first Carolina takes Matt Rule once he gets things going, And then Dave Aranda keeps going, and somebody might come take him. But I, if USC comes for Dave Aranda, is he going to turn down the Trojans for Baylor? I mean, he is from California. Or if LSU comes, is he going to turn down LSU for Baylor?
4: That's what I was wondering. Like, why wouldn't LSU be after him? It's you know, maybe it
3: doesn't fit the. It doesn't fit what Woodward his mo has been yeah
4: i mean mean, if baylor somehow wins the big 12 i mean it's a highly unlikely scenario but i mean that's not a splashy big name
3: hire not big enough i don't i don't think it fits like the big big name thing like he's known for like really overpaying for past who the heck is
4: that gonna be that i can't wait to see this one Jimbo.
3: (laughs) no yeah there's no buyout. you guys don't think they're going after jimbo I think I they will, but I believe
4: like. Jimbo when he's when he was there. He cannot do that twice. Once at Florida oh. State, and you can see it. And you know, knowing all that was going on, you look back on and you're like, "All right," but it didn't seem as emphatic as the press conference he gave when LSU came open. It was pretty emphatic.
3: I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go there, but I think that's probably their target. Yeah. If I had to guess, but if Jimbo says no,
2: who's number two? Who's the other big name? Because Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, maybe. Yeah, and that's because like I feel like James Franklin is going to be, a, whether fair or not, James Franklin right now would probably be a tough sell to LSU fans.
4: Yeah. I could see it being like the Gene Chizik getting booed on the way in. Like
0: We didn't want this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> does Mel Tucker not have enough past performances to fit the, the Scott Woodward splashy hire requirement? That's
2: interesting. I mean, I think he'd be a great hire for him,
4: but I don't know. Oh, I like – we had a couple – uh couple of listeners commenting
3: about kiffin that would fit the splash that would hire. fit
0: the splash
4: feldman
3: yeah. feldman said something on his podcast about that uh basically like given what you just fired on for i he doesn't think uh mm-hmm. kiffin's a fit yeah
2: also i mean i know th- i know that lane likes to mess with his friends but i also wonder if lane would want to replace ed at lsu considering they are friends.
4: What if you kept him as a defensive line coach? That would be hilarious. And right I do an like
0: Yeah, Coach O is contractually required to be an LSU employee and show up at one event per year for like the next four years yep. until maybe they rewrite the contract and say, you know what, Ed, stay home. We'll shows still send up. the checks.
2: Just shows up to the spring game. All right, I'm here, Coach O. Got the gumbo going.
4: You no, know, he just walks him off the bus into the games. Like, that's all he does.
0: <laughs> hey, if if I could get paid seventeen million dollars to walk a team off a bus into the game into the stadium for four years, sign me up.
2: I'll do it for one million.
0: So, <laughs> did y'all see the the four? There is going to be a private event, a three and a half hour roundtable discussion. The only thing that I've been uh, told or, or read is that it is former Miami players. I do not know if these are like the stars, like the the ones that are also on TV all the time or the ones who are just kind of around in South Florida and also happen to be, you know, former Miami players, but there's going to be a round table discussing the future of Miami football. Are you interested in watching the replay of three and a half hours of former (laughs) Miami players discussing the future of the program and the uh, how vocal Miami football players are Almost all, in my experience, mostly critically of their team and of their coaches is a huge part of the Miami fan experience here in modern times. Not so, in a way that's always helpful. So, will there be any impact from this kind of gathering that, uh, that can sway this thing one way or another for Manny Diaz?
3: So, this will be what, like a, a three- three tape VHS set just just pay shipping and handling is that how I get this because it's
0: It's like you can see all the hits like Ed Reed supports the staff you know all these guys like no offense all
3: these guys highlights were not in HD you know (laughs) um they'll continue to like complain about the program and go on radio shows but not actually donate money um so I did we see this all the time they just don't get together to do it too much yeah
4: so I just before the show I was doing a local hit with uh the South Florida the it's actually the home of the Miami Hurricanes so Joe Rose no, it was on his station QAM, yeah. and uh, I was on with Mark Hawkman and uh, Channing Crowder, who's a Gator. And how crazy is it that I, as a Florida State Seminole, with. Four wins on the resume. I'm on there talking trash to them like I have the upper hand because Florida just gave up 70, and we just meet Miami. Like, that's kind of a sad state of affairs, and it kind of hit us like a ton of bricks. But that was one of the first things I was going to troll Hawkman with. He's the he's the hurricane. He's the guy. And I was teasing him. I was like, hey, what time's the big meeting? When are we airing it out? Airing grievances, you know? And he was very quick to point out, because I was under the impression this was like panic, you know, panic button type of meeting that's been Mm -hmm. planned this week. He said this has been a couple months in the making. Like it was something that was planned with like some company, a promotional company was trying to do it to kind of like uh, get support for the university. But then this is one of those things where the timing could not be worse. And I bet maybe they planned it after Florida State was 0-4 and they felt like, oh, we're going to, it's going to be coming off a big win. But I still, to the point of, I wonder if this is one of those ones where it does get vocal and volatile and players are saying, we need to fire Manny and we need to do this and we need to do that because that to me is such a sign of dysfunction and it was something I was desperately trying to get Florida State players not to do, even if it was Willie Taggart and it was the wrong coach. It just to me feels like that family that's out in front of their house on the lawn, like just fighting for in the public and it's like, That is embarrassing. Like you're like, look, kids, we don't want to be them. (laughs) Like you got to try to keep that that stuff in house, under wraps. And here they are putting it out there for three hours, where everybody can watch it. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a good look for Miami. Just start a
3: podcast, you nerds. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if they are going to fire Manny. Maybe they will. But if you do, like, you probably got to get a new AD as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Like if you can go get, if you can go get Cristobal. Then I think you absolutely now look now, Danny. My reaction's the same. <laughs> if for some reason Cristobal values like home, South Florida, like we know his brother lives down there still. Like if for some reason Cristobal wants to leave Oregon to go to Miami, like not money reasons, not you know not Chase Championship reasons. Although I'm sure he believes he could do it anywhere. Then you absolutely say yes, and you say Mendez, thanks, goodbye. Other than that, like is it Lane Kiffin? If you can get Lane Kiffin, would Lane take that job? I think he'd do pretty well down there. Actually, he would crush um,
4: it. But do they have the money to get Lane Kiffin away from Ole Miss, or the commitment to do that?
3: No, I don't know. Like, I think every single one of their fans is on Twitter. Like, like because they're super vocal on Twitter. <laughs> but like, that's I'm the entirety of their fans. They don't show up to games.
4: Right, because you know, none of them like, went there. Their fan base is very, yeah. you know, growing up in South Florida, a lot of them didn't go to Miami. They just kind of hopped on the U and the swagger. So, like, you're not that invested in the university because you're not giving money. It's not like you're a booster. So I think they do have financial issues of how they're going to get this thing back resurrected. I mean, Mark Rick was given back part of his salary to have help with the indoor practice facility. Like, they're always cutting corners as opposed to, what the schools that are going to be in play for Mario Cristobal or Lane Kiffin are going to be doing. So you would have to have a coach kind of like Mark Rick did who was like, "All right, I played there. I'm kind of looking for a new opportunity. I'll go ahead and pay, you know, go coach for a you know, a fraction of what maybe I could get somewhere else." And then they ran him off. You know, it's just I I I wonder what direction
0: they're going to go. My prediction is that Manny Diaz is the head coach of the Hurricanes in 2022. Me too. Like, you can spin all of the one-score losses into wins, or you could say you blew it in a bunch of one-score games. You could look at the one-score wins against Pitt and NC State and say that's the sign of a young team that can win at the ACC level, or you could be like, hey, look at all these games that also could have all been all losses. But ultimately, I think the, the success that the youth movement has had is a decent selling point to make to your bosses that you have got things moving in the right direction.
3: The, the other know. reason I think you keep my, you, you keep Manny, right, is you were, and it's weird to say this, like you were a beneficiary of COVID during recruiting. I know there's something Barton probably brought up on Cover 3. I, I know he wrote about it on 24-7 Sports. Because of the lack of ability to take visits everywhere and especially to take, like, school-paid-for visits, Miami got a lot of kids that I don't think it would have signed in that 2021 recruiting class who are really impressive freshmen. You know, Leonard Taylor – James Williams, guys like that who were not able to take all those officials. If you fire the guy that recruited them after just one year on campus, don't you think like the transfer portal is going to descend on Coral Gables? Mm -hmm. I'd go out there and pluck a couple of those kids if I was an opposing coach. And that's kind of the basis of your future. Manning's prior classes were not not great, great, and they were largely transfer portal based. This most recent one is the one that he kind of built in high school. The counter is that they're recruiting right now is terrible. So – If you do pull the plug, you're not going to lose much in this current recruiting class.
4: But you, by the way, I don't know if somebody, I don't know if, I don't know if Jimbo's watching the Cover Three Pod while like right before he's doing his press conference. But Tex Axs just had a line out from Jimbo: "Quote, I've said all the things about staying. Everybody thinks coaches lie. We're going to recruit an unbelievable class this year. We're going to recruit all those guys here. And if I decided to go across and play against them, I'd be the dumbest human on earth." I think he's staying.
3: Side note: Sorry.
0: No, it's it you start with Jimbo, you make Jimbo tell you no, and then you start working your way down the list.
3: Mm -hmm. And that's you know the one thing he's not said yet?
0: I'm not I'm not leaving.
3: He he learned from Nick Saban, right? How much crap did Nick Saban get for saying I'm not gonna be the next coach to Alabama? All those guys in that section tree have learned how to how to talk, right? Jim I, I don't know if Jimmy tells them or if they just Get it through osmosis, but like Jimbo has not said, I am staying here at AM. I'm not leaving. Jimmy tells him.
0: And yeah. that's and that's and that's why James Franklin linked up with Jimmy just this in the middle of this football season. Get get the whole script ready. You can understand how to handle it. All right, one more thing. This can't just be a line item, but um Butch Davis with he already was going to have a contract that was going to expire at the end of the season. And it was already reported or, or mold earlier in the season that there was not going to be any renewal or extension, that this would be it. Uh, we have FIU changeover athletic director and Davis will be out as well. And he kind of just opens fire uh, at the, in the university and the university's investment in college football, uh, the, the quality of, the facilities the quality of the equipment from shoulder pads to uniforms to everything else uh, just a nasty nasty split from uh, Butch Davis and FIU any 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 major thoughts or stand or ideas about a program that is right there in that south florida area where you know we've seen what is it, i guess what is the FIU peak in the modern or recent era sunbelt FIU competing for sunbelt titles
2: When they They fired Mario Cristobal, they kind of screwed themselves.
4: They beat Miami a couple years ago. So it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've called games down there, been to their facilities. It's bleak. I mean, I'm glad. I think Butch, good for Butch for calling out the administration. I mean, some of the things that he was talking about are pretty embarrassing for the school, like playing with, you know, uh, used pads and having the same uniforms for nine years it's tough. I mean, it has one of the worst broadcast booths. I know no one cares about it, but it's like basically it's just a suite, like one of the – like just a suite. There's nothing – there's not like a standalone broadcasting. There's like this door that you kind of have to look through around the corner to see the field. And then you guys have watched the games. There's nobody there. It's a very transient like commuter school, online presence. It's just – it's a tough job. Even though it is talent rich, I think it's a really tough job.
2: And then let's look at the landscape that the program finds itself in. Not only is there limited resources and they don't have a whole lot to work with, but their conference has pretty much been completely ripped apart in the last few months from you know teams leaving and going to other conferences. And while they're expanding and bringing up more FCS squads like FIU by moving to the Conference USA, at the time it seemed like the right decision, but in retrospect they probably should have stayed in the Sun Belt because they're gonna be in the worst conference. So I don't know how attractive of a job this is going to be for a prospective coach. If you if you are sabotaging Butch Davis to get him out, who are you realistically going to be able to bring in and replace him at this point?
3: Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um Jimbo is still talking, by the way. Uh, and he just said, quote, I want to be at AM. I plan on being at AM. I ain't going nowhere else. Don't want to be nowhere else. Is that clear enough? I think that actually is a different statement slightly That's what than what he I said, said prior.
0: He is getting so mad. He's going to dump so many peanuts in his Coca-Cola at the end of this <laughs> just to get that sweet West Virginia delicacy to to calm him down after all this. Um, all right, Jimbo, we'll see. Yeah, I, No one wants to put a show bet or set any odds that Jimbo's at LSU.
4: It would be an incredible long shot, I think.
0: Thinking about it, thinking about it, running no, the past.
4: What if this is just Jimbo's way
2: of telling Scott to up the offer?
0: Mm. Mm. I mean, hey, listen here, Scott. You don't got to pay nothing for the buyout. So you don't got to pay, pay for the buyout. What you need to do is you need to put it on the salary.
3: <laughs> roll it in.
0: Yeah, let's go. Yeah, roll it on in. We, we can make it <laughs> escalating as you go. Coming up on the other side, we put a bow on the week that was with a pun. Further review, our lingering thoughts and takes from the weekend. Next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast as we turn our attention to, you know, anything from when we do our Saturday night shows, I think we do a good job throughout the day of trying to make sure everyone's got our eyes on different games, but we don't always get to play catch up until a little bit later. Uh, So I want to check in and see what we thought of the weekend that was or Danny, if you've got anything that you want to offer that wasn't hit on uh, in the reaction pod upon further review, uh, what's really standing out as we look back at week 11.
4: I'll just chime in because I'm sure it was spent. You guys talked about it. I'm sure it sounded, but the Florida State win was huge. I mean, obviously, as a Florida State Seminole and a team that started Owen for, I'm really proud of Mike Norvell, the way he's kept the program together. And that to me is the definition of what you should look for in a program. Are you still competing? Are you still fighting for your coach? Are you still putting impressive performances before you? And I think that's a massive difference in Florida State and Florida right now, as you're seeing. And, Granted, Florida had a lot of success last year. Florida State did not. So they're kind of in a different position. But from what I've seen, I'm just and I'm just really happy. Like, I'm happy for Jordan Travis, who's a quarterback who – we, all we talked about offseason was Mackenzie Milton, and the staff was trying to say, hey, Jordan Travis has gotten better, and, he's, and they've built around him. And just, you know, I'm happy for the program that the players could finally see – Like a real win that people are like, okay, they're impressed. It's a rivalry game, all those types of things. Just very proud of Florida State.
1: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
4: Tom? Side note, totally different. And this, I don't know if this is a Monday topic or not, but does it, is it me or does the Heisman Trophy feel more wide open than it's ever felt with only a few games left? Or do you think it's been this way? And like, how deep would you go? Like, is it a three-man know. race between uh, CJ Stroud and... Uh, Kenneth Walker III and Bryce Young, is that where we are? Is there anybody else could pick it with a big finish in the ACC, come, come back into it? To me, it just I, I thought it was interesting because Kenneth Walker III had another impressive game under the radar, but he's got to go to Ohio State and play Penn State. Like That'll settle itself out. You got Bryce Young with the Iron Bowl and the SEC championship game. You got, I, my money would be on C.J. Stroud with the way Ohio State is getting right I I, that's who I would kind of peg right now. But Travion might take votes from him because he's been balling, too. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting watching the games this weekend. It feels like a weird Heisman Trophy race where it's almost somebody's going to fall by the wayside. And then, you know, the last man standing is going to be the one who wins it. Yeah, I feel like at this time
2: of year, we usually have somebody who's been like the guy. For most of the season and then it's just okay who gets hot at the end and steals votes away from them but yeah i don't know who the guy is right now i i got an email i i know that the odds of bryce young is still the favorite most places but i've seen that cj stroud's now a favorite at some places so i i think we're probably gonna end up with one of those two being it depending on how they finish just because i think the quarterbacks are always sexy and if ohio state plays the way it did against
3: purdue for the rest of the season i think it's going to be stroud yeah, I. Um, in a weird way, the other talent around Stroud, who I do believe are better players than he is, right, have all sort of shared the wealth so much that I don't think any of them is going to are, are going to steal votes, right? So, for instance, I, I don't think, uh, like, Henderson's going to get those votes. And Wilson missed two games, so I don't think he's going to get enough votes because he doesn't have the volume, right? And, you know, Olave's a really good player, but Smith and Jigba has emerged to take some of his target share – So, like, Stroud is probably the fifth or sixth best player on Ohio State's offense. But I think he has a really good shot to win it because he has winnable games left that are going to be marquee games. He has three of them, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, and then probably Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. However, if Bryce beats Bama, Bryce is winning the award. Bryce beats Georgia. Excuse me. Yes. If Bryce beats Georgia, Bryce Young wins the award. This is important, by the way. He threw 5 touchdowns against New Mexico State. Nobody's going to going to care when they look at his overall totals who it came against, but he really padded his stats like crazy this weekend. They threw the ball in the red zone quite a bit. Bryce Young getting 5 touchdowns against New Mexico State, if he can get 2 or 3 or 4 against Auburn, maybe a couple against Arkansas, his numbers are going to be pretty good, guys. And they're going to have to throw to beat Georgia. If he beats Georgia, he wins it. He threw he's done for 5 touchdowns 3 different times. Right, but I'm saying, so, like, this weekend that would
0: be Like, all of the mm-hmm. Alabama blowouts have just been RPOs in the red zone and short little, like, seven-yard touchdown passes.
3: hmm
4: But he also could get embarrassed by, I mean, this is a team that was struggling to run the ball against LSU. Like, they, he could get destroyed against Georgia's defense, too. And then I wondered, has it become, like, an MVP of the conference championship weekend?
3: You know, is some it – Some of CJ those names, Trump? Danny, on, on, that are currently playing, because Bama's got some injuries. Some of his names on that Bama offensive line are guys that before I worked for 24-7, I was looking at I was like, really? Taking that kid? It was, just, it was interesting. And granted, like it's Bama, so they're all good, but just they didn't look like or didn't act sometimes like Bama offensive linemen of years past. And now those kids are pressed into action having to play, and they're not playing very well when they play good, good competition.
0: Also, I think it's okay for CJ Stroud to be the fifth or sixth best player on the offense and also be the most likely Heisman winner because the Heisman winner is for the most outstanding player. And sometimes to stand out, it's just going to be the quarterback. Like he's, there are he better players. Ball ball short. Play. Yeah. That is an interesting
3: <laughs> definition of standing out or yeah. outstanding. The most yeah. standing out. Yeah. It's, I like it. It's,
0: it's the most outstanding player in college football. Doesn't matter if you're awesome. You don't have the ball in your hands. It's kind of hard to stand out. Mm -hmm. it is it is a basic basic award of which i'm a proud voter
2: i will also say but as a voter i do keep track of who you're getting
4: the numbers against you guys are housing voters
3: Mm -hmm. nice
4: danny you too Who's not at this point? Come on, bud. We gotta yeah, get to a vote. Like I'm
0: the only one. The one thing I learned about being a Heisman voter, which helps me inform talking about the trophy and the award in, in ways we do, is just a reminder that there's only three spots on the ballot. You can't just go out here saying that he should be a Heisman contender. He should be a finalist. He should be like more players get named as should be in New York than it's actually mm-hmm. possible for them to be able to get to New York.
4: Yeah. Yes. So it's the other a- thing is, uh, do you guys think Oklahoma was eliminated from the playoffs? No. No. Okay. No. I don't either. My, my guy, Dusty does who has a better chance to make the playoffs, wake forest or Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Cause Oklahoma, Oklahoma still
2: gets to play Oklahoma state. It might get to play Oklahoma state or Baylor again. What's the biggest game left on Wake,
4: Make, But they just beat a number 16th ranked NC State. Clemson should be top 25 this weekend, and then yep. they would have an opportunity against a top 25 team in the ACC
3: championship game. They will yeah. be underdogs to Pitt, and they are right. underdogs to Clemson. Agreed. So, I so, so that, again, that that
4: I think more is the, who do you think wins out? Which I think is a question for both of them. I don't know if either yeah, one was, is in that position. I
2: think resume-wise, if they both win out, it'll be the Big 12 school over the ACC.
0: Correct. But the way that I interpreted Danny's question of who's more likely, I think that also means I have to have faith in the Sooners not to lose again.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. So neither. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, neither, I would say.
0: What about well, Oklahoma State's chances? Actually, let's go ahead and uh, let's that was turn my this on. on.
2: further review, actually.
0: Oh, well, go ahead.
2: Because I went back and I watched Oklahoma State because I had the game on like a secondary screen against TCU and I wasn't really paying super close attention. It was just box score scouting. So I wanted to go watch the game to see if I found or could pick out anything that was like, all right, this is why they're having a huge day offensively. They fixed something. They've changed something. This is happening. No, they were just playing a terrible defense. So I still do have some concerns about Oklahoma State going up against Oklahoma because I think defensively they are still outstanding. But I think that they've, offensively, they're still pretty limited unless they're going up against a terrible defense. And while Oklahoma has been terrible against the pass, that's not really where Oklahoma State excels on offense.
0: So there weren't uh, a lot of, any other sort of a pun for the review notes from the weekend that we want to make sure we share? I've got a cup couple Uh,
3: i I got one all right um shout out to oregon by the way for actually putting washington state away uh i know we opened the show before that game was over and we're like oh washington state just scored to make it a tie game going into halftime uh but you know washington state covered that or not covered depending on when you got the line you may have even lost uh but they, they i think most people had 14 they pushed that line you know very late in the game with a long score um Oregon did put them away. They were up three touchdowns, you know, fairly late.
0: I found myself after watching that game when I had to fill out my ballot for the CBS Sports 130 and we're trying to split all those ties between one loss teams up in the top 10. I think I had more confidence in Oregon than I did the week before. It was a good close. Not something, and not just because of the, what was our, uh, I guess our lock infinity or lock unity that pushed was at 14, right? Yeah. 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 I'm hoping that's not just my biases of the fact that, you know, Oregon made me sweat a little more, but I do think that, you know, the really good teams like, there's just something about Kayvon Thibodeau. Like if you want to talk about a defensive player who actually might deserve a, a spot in the number three slot on some Heisman ballots. he balance, never
2: gets mentioned among the defensive give players. Give me Kayvon Kayvon
0: Thibodeau over Jordan Davis. I love Jordan Davis, yes. but he simply does not play enough snaps. And not only is Thibodeau playing a lot more now that he's healthy, but it seems like in these games, that is the Oregon plan to put an opponent away. Is we're going to put number five on the outside, pin the ears back, and just let him go. And he is in quarterbacks' faces at the end of these games, as opposing offenses are trying to move the ball down the field, tie the game, cut into the lead. And that is outstanding.
2: Yeah. And they don't, he lines up everywhere. Like they use him in every single different way. They'll put him outside with a hand down. They'll put him outside on two feet. They'll put him on the inside and, in you know, in the A gaps and have him disrupt from there. And he just kicks everybody's ass from everywhere, no matter where they put him.
4: Neither yeah. one of you guys have the defensive player that should be getting the love. Who? Will Anderson. Mm. He's number one in the country in sacks and tackles for loss. He's been balling mm-hmm. for the tide all season long. Like that would be. And he'll win. uh, What is the Paneric Award? I mean, he'll win uh, a lot of these defensive awards, but I think he should probably be getting the most love for the Heisman hype because it is a statistical award and you have to do something special. So I think you do have to be leading the country in sacks. Unfortunately, I think you have to be up there around 25, you know, which is record setting territory. If you want to actually get to New York, as we mentioned, it's hard to get there.
2: And the 20 hipster voters who will put a defensive player on their ballot will be outvoted by the three thousand who don't even consider putting a defensive player on their ballot.
0: At last I checked, I think it's around nine hundred. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's nine yeah. something. And they're divided geographically. I think that ours are probably categorized as like the national segment. You get the South. Mm-hmm. We gotta win all the different quadrants. We get who somebody out name? on a touch screen, you Sorry. know, just to show you what states you've won. How many electoral
3: votes you get? Can you guys name 900 voter, like 900 college football media members? like That's really bloated. That's a, really <laughs> That's blowed a bell. great point. I, but there I are. Don't
0: care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember a lot of names in media. All I'll
2: say is go look at the roster of people who vote on the AP poll every week and then just imagine some of the people who are still voting for Heisman.
0: Shout out to all my AP voters out there. Got some friends who listen. We love you too. Uh, Speaking of the AP poll, not a whole lot of major changes. Um, You know, like you've got obviously the Oklahoma drop and then pretty much everybody else slots up. Uh, Alabama took over the number two spot from Cincinnati. So even those hipsters in the AP poll, which were clinging on to the dream of Cincinnati end up uh, switching some of their votes over to the Crimson Tide. But Uh, I think that as we spin it forward towards some college football playoff expectations, I've got a couple spots that I'm interested. Number one, and remember in the college football playoff rankings last week, uh, we had Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Oh, my gosh, what does that mean? Well, I'm a little bit more interested not about Michigan and Michigan State, but I'm interested about Michigan and Cincinnati because I think that with the win – Michigan has like four or five better wins before you get to Cincinnati's number two win, you know, rank the wins. They both have Indiana and the Wolverines have got a longer list of teams before you get to Indiana than you do with Cincinnati. So that at five and six is something that I'm a little bit interested in and going to be keeping my eye on. And then the other one is uh, Notre Dame against Oklahoma state, Notre Dame uh, and Oklahoma state, both one loss teams checked in at number nine and 10 uh, just last week. And I wonder if there's a little bit of sticker shock from 63 to 17 uh, without a full review as Tom was able to offer in terms of what that meant for the Cowboys' defense. I think that while Notre Dame and Oklahoma State are probably not in the college football playoff, that Mm -hmm. is about where I draw the line in terms of like, if you were to go, go down the rankings, where do you draw the line of like, these are the teams above this line that have a chance to make the Final Four? I think that they're above of above your Ole Miss, uh, maybe like Wake Forest, Baylor, and then below your Oklahoma State, Notre Dame is, is from last week's rankings is about where you draw the line. Notre
4: Dame's going to be in. I Cincinnati have doubts if they're going to win. Like they're going to lose. Notre Dame's only got two games left: Georgia Tech and Stanford. Those are pretty easy wins. I know nothing has been easy in college football this year. But I'm, I, that was going to be one of my takeaways from the weekend was, is everyone prepared to see Notre Dame again? I do wonder if this year, if them not being in a conference championship game could possibly derail their chances. And I hope it does. I've always wanted Notre Dame to have to do what everybody does and play on conference championship weekend, which they did last year. But I think they're just sitting exactly. They're the quietest team out there that is sitting in a great position to be aligned where they're going to be right on the cusp of getting in.
2: Yeah, I wrote about it today for my lead at the Monday after. They are the forgotten playoff contender.
4: Nobody really discusses them as a team that's still
2: in the running for it. And like you said, they're playing Georgia Tech and Stanford. Meanwhile, if you look at like the 11 legitimate contenders of the other 10, Aside from Cincinnati, they're all playing each other at some point. They're all going to knock each other out and take teams out. Meanwhile, as long as Notre Dame doesn't screw up, it's going to find itself being 11 and 1. And yeah, not having a conference championship could hurt, but it's like any other year. It could also help. Like, mm-hmm. it's not an extra game to lose. Depending on what happens in some of these conference title games, Notre Dame might sneak from number six to number four in a hurry. And I. I I won't be surprised if they get in. Honestly, I, I do think I, I what I want to see and what I'm kind of rooting for, and I wrote about this too, I want to see the committee stuck in a situation where it has to choose between an 11-1 and Notre Dame and an undefeated Cincinnati because I think we all know what the logical answer to that would be, but I don't know what the committee's answer to that would be. And if they chose a one-loss Notre Dame over the Cincinnati team that beat them that would lead to the expansion and the automatic berths so quick and while i don't like expansion i want automatic berths so
3: that's kind of what i'm hoping for i i think they would choose Cincinnati um i'd like to think they would yeah i mean like it's it's a it's a two score loss at home to the team that went undefeated the other issue is, is how many of these as the season plays out how many of these teams are going bowling Right? Like, does Notre Dame have any top 25 wins? It's they have one. Wisconsin. Right? Yeah. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I mean, FSU may go bowling. They're Purdue. going to be underdogs in their final two games. Purdue is bowl eligible. Purdue is bowl eligible, but like, they're not going to be a ranked team any anytime again this season. Toledo, obviously, not going to be ranked. You know, they did beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to be the big, you know, Big Ten West champ, I think. USC may or may not go bowling. UNC, they're going to go bowling, right, Chip? Yeah yeah um but they're not gonna be ranked navy terrible this year uva i think is gonna go bowling
0: yeah i think they got six already
3: yeah but like they may finish six and six we'll see uh georgia tech no stanford definitely not that's a pretty weak resume like it's not like there's not a whole lot compelling on that to say hey they deserve to be in over cincinnati
2: yeah but like, obviously, the rest of the schedule is going to change this, but right now, according to ESPN's metric, strength of schedule, Notre Dame's 33rd, Michigan's 31st, Alabama's 27th, Georgia's 42nd. So, according yeah. to that, Notre Dame's played a more difficult schedule than Georgia has, and
3: Cincinnati is 101st. <laughs> so, like, not really spice it up, Tom? Yes. no. In, in the strength of record metric, which is the one that the committee they're uses, they're third. They're third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sensei is fifth. Mm hmm. And that's
2: why I think logically you'd have to say, well, come on, Cincinnati beat them. How could you choose them over Cincinnati? Well, this is the same committee that just put Michigan a spot ahead of Michigan State a week after Michigan State beat Michigan. So they're going to look at the whole picture and not just one data point. And we decided that while that big win was for Cincinnati was a huge win for them, their performance over the final month and a half of the season really dipped while Notre Dame hit its peak late in the year and started playing really well.
3: I will say that 2020 twenty twenty Sensi would have beat 2021 Sensi. Pretty sure. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Like the the O line for the Sensi team is not is not good. Like they they really struggled to run the ball against against USF. Uh, I, I don't think that that Sensi team last year would have.
0: Well, we don't give you playoff spot. Only Alabama gets playoff spots based on last year's performance. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> All right, two two lost non champion Bama. They're done. Undefeated or undefeated Sensi. Oh God, they would choose Alabama. God, I think they would. I don't know that they definitely would. Some some events that happened this weekend in the conference, I think, actually hurt their chances. The, the Auburn loss and mm-hmm. the AMLs. Auburn's yeah. going to finish seven and five almost certainly. Uh, yeah, because Bo Nix is in. out now too. You know? I didn't downgrade them for Bo Nix. I don't think there's any difference between him and Finley. Wow, but, like he's not good. I, I, I got he's it. Just, I know. He's I, know, I, know fine. I know. Like there's no there's no real difference to me. Um, but all the other injuries they have, like Propose, Dinged, Kobe Hudson, their kicker just tore his ACL. Uh, but like A&M losing to Ole Miss, I know they say they don't care about your losses as much. I do think, though, that like that's a little bit less excusable of a loss now that, that A&M went and lost to Ole Miss. I'd,
0: well, I mean, just... If your opponent's records is a factor of your strength of schedule rating and other you know ways that you are measured, then 100 percent
3: right. does like, like the strength
0: the like, record as well.
3: What is Bama's second best win? Their first best win will be a nine and three or ten and two Ole Miss team. It's Mississippi State, which should be what seven and five
0: fringe top 25 they've got that weird like 20 to 30 resume where it depends on what they did it's like oh you ran off 40 straight against auburn you're up in the top 25 oh you lost your next game you're out of the top 25 like they've got the the lsu and the memphis losses which by the way are by a combined five points are what's keeping mississippi state from being a top 15 team right now but you can't rank that team and totally ignore those losses
3: by the way, who will be the ridiculous team that they, sh- they somehow shoehorn into the top 25 this week to justify what they do in the top five? I thought it would be Clemson last week, this week.
4: Clemson's in. Yeah, because Clemson, Clemson should be ranked, awake. guys. They yeah. should be ranked. I don't but think it'll... they
3: should. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I, was, I thought that was going to be the team that they put in last week. Chip was uh, ranked this whole time. They just don't ask me. So I didn't, I didn't say anything.
4: What? Mississippi State? They should have
3: stayed ranked. They leave A&M in. You think you'll leave a and in they Mississippi might. State might had, be like
4: twenty fifth. Hey, they 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 beat the number two team in the country.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's
4: how they do it. That's <laughs> how they do
0: it. Um, yeah, Speaking Mississippi of- Mississippi State to anchor Bama's profile so that you've got the top two teams that are good wins for Alabama both in there.
3: Arkansas maybe. I think Arkansas, Arkansas was, was already in. ranked. Yeah. Oh okay.
2: Uh, I was just going back to the strength of record discussion. We, cause we were talking about Oklahoma and wake forest and which one of the one losses, you know, who has a better strength of record than both of those teams right now,
0: both wake forest and Oklahoma, Oklahoma. UTSA. Yeah. Wow. Meep. Meep. Now UTSA been that
2: Illinois win. Yes. According to that same <laughs> metric, they've played the 128th most difficult schedule in the country, but strength the record. They are 11th ahead of Oklahoma, wake and Baylor.
0: The average FBS team would not have kicked ass on that schedule like Jeff Trailer's hottest fish <laughs> grease roadrunners. Mm-hmm. You just wouldn't have performed at that level. You oh, don't have by, the way.
4: by the way, I talked to Jeff Trailer on the radio show, and I asked him, I'm like, what, what's going on with the high school mafia thing? And he obviously was a Texas uh, high school football coach. I'm telling you. I, I see where it comes from now. He got all emotional and he's like, this is where we raise boys to be men and when we all entrust each other. And and I, he was like, we've got, the, and he named the president of the Texas High School Football Coaches Association. And he talked about how they look out for one another. I mean, it was impassioned. I was like, oh, I was like, I get it. Like, you better kiss the ring. It just confirmed everything I thought all along was like, Oh, okay. There was no chuckle. It was not funny. The the high school uh, mafia that's in Texas. It was very serious business. But he was awesome. He was great. But I did ask him about that. He went off like just on a tangent about how passionate he is about Texas high school football. It was pretty astounding.
0: It's got you got to hold a, char, a hot charcoal in your hand while you recite the pledge for initiation. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Considering how Texas's college football is doing. I can understand why they're more interested in high school. Oh, <laughs> that's a <laughs> good
0: one. Um, all right, any other, uh, any other, like a college football playoff predictions, expectations, thoughts, or questions? A reminder: will be we will be back on Tuesday night uh, earlier. Thank goodness. Earlier release of the college football playoff rankings. Uh, We we won't be in between the Champions Classic. Uh, It'll be, I think, around like 7 or 7.30. Uh, As soon as the rankings are out, we'll go live here on youtube.com
3: slash cover three. Any other expectations or thoughts? Uh, Speaking of hottest fish grease, 29 and 14 in the locks pod last week, guys. All right. Damn, get you some. I'm speaking of locks. Do we have Mac locks?
0: Yeah, I was going to say. So before we get out of here, we got to give the people our winners for Tuesday and Wednesday night action in our Mac locks. Uh, The conference has to like slowly cycle into midweek and then like slowly pull everybody back. We got one game on Saturday, but still five games between um, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, What stands out as a as a winner? I'm liking the
2: year. under in Eastern and Western on Tuesday night. Yeah, like I, got I in already. I, I played yeah.
3: that. Uh, they opened at 69. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Um, I would still play that at like 67. I think 66 I would pass. That's kind of my break-even point there. It's going to be windy.
2: And then on Wednesday, my favorite play is Central Michigan Moneyline. I got it at 105.
0: Central Michigan Moneyline jumping At on ball the Bay. other say other side of a ball state team that has brought you so much joy. Cardinals trying to fight for that sixth win.
2: My thick guy, Daniel Richardson, the little the little fire hydrant QB. He's my guy. He's gonna okay. lead me to a win.
0: Central right. Michigan money line. Uh any anything like Northern Illinois has been one of our teams, both in terms of how heavily uh Road we're all favorites, that team road favorites you just can't trust them minus one just, and a half at buffalo
3: yeah like i i would I play would prob- minus one but I, like I, that that's really my cutoff like cover probability wise I, I, if it keeps dropping i'll hit them yeah like um, i like the huskies but road favorites oh. so uh the other thing i did play and i would play this at six and a half which looks like there's still two six and a half out there so if you guys are in the live chat get this now uh toledo minus six and a half i would not play him seven but I would play him six and a half. I bought it five and six uh, yesterday and this morning.
0: Any thought or just a numbers play?
3: So Toledo's uh, run defense is actually fairly good, which is helpful because Miami or Ohio just does not throw the football well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and Toledo's defense just something I've been betting on in recent weeks and having you know decent success with for the most part. So uh, I, I believe in them to shut down Ohio's run game uh, just enough
0: love it. There you go. We're going under in Eastern Western on Tuesday. We got Toledo laying the points on Tuesday. We're going to take uh, Fire Up Chips Central Michigan money line on Wednesday. Nice little nice little crop of Maclocks locks uh, here for you uh on at the end of an upon further review. A reminder Please, please, please go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com cover3. If you smash that bell... Uh, Well, that means that you get a notification anytime there's a new video, anytime we go live. And I know you want to be a part of those live shows uh, all throughout the week. Also, if you are subscribed on the audio format, thank you. And remember that if you want to add a question to a future mailbag episode, we're going to grab a couple for Wednesday's show, Uh, then go and leave us a five-star review. In that review, go and put your mailbag question. We'll add it to the big old bag of mail. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Frenelli. Tom, I'm sorry. Is it? Is it done?
2: Still scoreless.
0: Still scoreless? Okay.
3: Best of luck. Please score a goal. Please a score a goal. goal, please. You can follow Wait, do him. All of Tom's teams can't score, like Illinois, Italy. <laughs> well, Listen, <laughs> Italy scores. All
2: right. The it's White Sox
3: score like crazy.
2: I know. Italy scores plenty. It's just they're playing a Northern Ireland team at home, and Northern Ireland is just got that bus parked nice and solid in front of the net and it's getting really annoying just let us score you're not going anywhere you can't reach the world cup
3: we're trying to get there just let a soccer saying or is that like do they like do they use like use buses no
0: soccer yeah Yeah, it's where
3: you just pretty much stuff the entire defensive
2: like penalty area with all 10 of your players yeah
0: it's like, like that Never mind. We don't need to get into tactics right it's now. Like putting, it's, like putting, it's like putting eight guys in the box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is a translation here from football <laughs> to football. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Danny Canal. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Please score a goal.